Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Today, we're going to talk about the recent ACIP committee meeting who advises the CDC on vaccines. We'll talk about the second bivalent booster available, a mifepristone update, and of course, some quick poll results on stress and chronic illness. Welcome to The Health Advocates, a podcast that breaks down major health news of the week to help you make sense of it all. I'm Stephen Newmark, Director of Policy at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And I'm Zoe Rothblatt, Associate Director of Community Outreach at GHLF. Our goal is to help you understand what's happening in the healthcare world to help you make informed decisions to live your best life. And today, Stephen, we're going to talk about the future of COVID vaccine scheduling, what was discussed at the recent committee meeting. But first, as always, let's hop into the news update. Well, speaking about vaccines, the second Omicron boosters are here. The FDA recently authorized an additional round of bivalent boosters for those 65 and older and those with weakened immune systems. So these shots are given in two different time increments. So if you're 65 plus, it's four months after your first bivalent booster. And if you're immunocompromised, like many in our community, it will be two months after your first bivalent shot. These updates are a little different because they say these groups can choose to get these vaccines. They're not a requirement. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. I guess our community has been asking a lot of questions about when the next vaccine is going to be. So it's good to see that these updates are happening. And I know we'll get a little bit more into this as we go into the committee meeting. But it's interesting that it's not a requirement or recommendation, but rather just a choice. Also interesting is the FDA is withdrawing authorization for the older vaccines targeting the original strain. And so essentially anyone who is unvaccinated still can get a single dose of the bivalent booster. So they don't have to go through the whole primary series to get the updated booster. Pretty cool. And it makes sense because we're seeing that those are the variants that are circulating and we're not really seeing any of the original cases. So I'm glad to see this update. Yeah, definitely. We also have a a Muffapristone update from the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court preserved access to the medication, ordering that the drug should remain broadly available as the litigation plays out in a lower court. Yeah, so basically this didn't end the legal battles over the drug that we've been talking about, but it just assures that Muffapristone will remain available until the justices decide otherwise. Yeah, the next steps are the case is going to be heard in the United States Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on May 17th, although the Supreme Court order is likely to stay in place even after the Fifth Circuit rules so that any decision would be appealed back to the Supreme Court for a final ruling. Which might not happen for a while, so I guess we'll keep updating on this as we learn more. Stay tuned. And then our third bit of news here, we have a quick poll update. So we asked our community about stress, specifically stress related to their chronic illness, and 75% of the people that answered the poll said that in the past seven days they've been moderately or very stressed stress due to their chronic illness. I've been there. What do they do to manage their stress? That's a good question. We also asked about that. So people could select all that apply. 61% said watch TV or movies. Definitely agree with that. And then nearly half had selected each of these options. They listen to music, read a book, go for a walk or a hike, or talk to family and friends. Those are probably healthier than watching a movie or TV, but whatever works, right? I know. Yeah, I guess it's like a mix. Oh, you got to mix, right? You got to mix it up for sure. You're right. You're right. 
All right, so let's hop into our big topic of today. So there was another meeting of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, ACIP for short. This is a committee that advises the CDC. And let's talk about what they discussed. There was a lot of updates on the COVID vaccine specifically. I think we'll get into some uh, some data on the effectiveness, what hospitalizations are looking like, and then ultimately, where does vaccination policy go from here? First, there was lots of discussion around the vaccine effectiveness um, and waning immunity. In talking about pediatrics, the committee advised that children should stay up to date with COVID vaccines. No surprise there. The data showed that monovalent primary series vaccination helped provide protections for children ages three to five against symptomatic COVID infections for at least the first three months after vaccination. It started to wane after in roughly the four to six months after the second dose. And this is similar to the patterns that we've seen in adults, right? You know, there, there's right. no surprises here. Exactly. So for most people who got the monovalent shot and are eligible for a bivalent booster, it's been more than a year since their monovalent dose. And because of waning immunity, they may have limited protection and it may be time to get that booster. So yeah, when thinking about you know what I gathered from this discussion was that in all age groups, there is waning immunity at the four to six month mark. And many people haven't been vaccinated in over a year. So there's a lot of people out there that have limited protection. Absolutely. They also looked at hospitalizations. And yeah, so 65 plus age group had the highest rates of COVID associated hospitalization. This isn't surprising. No, not at all. It also makes sense with, you know, the new recommendations that 65 plus can get this second bivalent booster. The data did show that they looked at the first bivalent booster and, you know, how protective was it for hospitalizations. It showed that it did, in fact, provide additional protection against emergency department and urgent care encounters and hospitalizations. And most importantly, it showed that the vaccines provide protection against most critical illness, which is, you know, being on a ventilator or dying. Yeah. And then there was also some updates to COVID vaccine policy. The ultimate goal is for the CDC is to take steps towards simple recommendations to increase vaccine in uptake. And they came up with three ways to simplify. The first is a single formulation for mRNA vaccines. The second is to do a single, possibly an annual dose for most individuals to make things easier, similar to the flu vaccine. And the third is to allow for flexibility for vulnerable populations, including the immunocompromised. So let's break down each of these. We'll start with number one, the single formulation for mRNA COVID vaccines. So basically, the committee is supporting the FDA in that transition from the monovalent primary series to the bivalent shot for the mRNA vaccines. That's a little important distinction. There's no change for Novavax or Johnson & Johnson just yet. This is specifically about the mRNA vaccines. Right. It, you know, the situation is that many of the monovalent COVID vaccine products have already expired. Others are going to expire soon. So the FDA removed authorizations for the monovalent mRNA COVID vaccine products. And I guess what's the data to support this? They looked at that in the meeting and there's a lot of science going on there. And we could just break it down in simple terms as advocates. That's what we do here. So they showed that the bivalent COVID vaccines induce an immune response when given either 
as a primary series or a booster, that when the bivalent shot was given as a primary series, it induced an antibody response that was 25 times higher than the original monovalent vaccine, which was you know really good to know that if we're replacing the monovalent shot with the bivalent, it is in fact producing a higher antibody response. Yeah, no, that that's great. I mean, there's limited data to directly compare COVID outcomes after getting the monovalent or the bivalent vaccines, but most studies show that bivalent vaccines expanded the immune response. So overall, number one, that makes sense. Simplify it, get the bivalent shot instead of the monovalent. Yeah. Now, what was number two again? That was about a single annual shot, right? Correct. So when thinking about how frequently people should get a COVID vaccine, data show that there is an increase in cases in the winter months and also so when, when there's an emergence of new variants, of course. And in the summary, the committee said that they plan for a fall booster that could provide added protections at a time when, one, you know, the cold weather is coming, like you just said, or two, many would be one year from their last dose and it would help with that waning immunity. Right. I think it would almost sound somewhat similar to this year where many people got the flu and COVID vaccines in tandem, some literally on the same day, some within a few weeks of each other. And that looks like where we're going into the future. That's what I did. I got them like within a few days of each other and it felt good just get that done both together on a schedule no I have protections especially with yeah. you know I have to hold one of my meds so it's like gets a little annoying and it's nice to do it together and just everything at once out of the way definitely definitely hopefully it will be as seamless in the sense that the public emergency is ending and it will be as simple as going to a pharmacy to get the shots as many of us did last year as many of us have done for many, many years with the flu vaccine. So we'll see. We'll see what it looks like in the fall. But I'm hopeful that it'll be pretty, pretty straightforward. So that was briefly mentioned in the meeting about COVID vaccine cost after the emergency order ends in May. And the committee said that all vaccines purchased by the U.S. government will still be available for free. But there was, you know, a few notes on the commercialization of vaccines and having private entities buying vaccines. So we'll have to see how it all plays out with what it costs. But for now, it's looking like it's still covered. I didn't quite grasp that. They mentioned, I know what you're referring to in the hearing. Did you happen to grasp or get a sense of whether the U.S. government was going to be purchasing in the same quantities that they had been in the past or have a more limited supply and targeted only to those with financial needs or that was more likely to be free for all into the far future? I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell either. From what I saw, it felt vague, kind of like, oh, this is on our minds and maybe we'll discuss it at the next meeting. All right. Well, that's good. But our preference here as advocates would be for vaccines to be as widely available as possible. We want individuals who are immunocompromised to, of course, get the vaccines and be protected. But we also want the general population to get vaccinated as much as possible to help stop the spread of, of whatever's coming our way next fall, next winter. So the more accessible these medications, if they're free, that makes it easier. If they're available at local pharmacies, that makes it easier and more seamless. You know, whatever increases accessibility for the entire population is something that we will continue to advocate for. Definitely. And one last note on this uh, single annual dose. The data showed that children will likely still need a primary series and a booster to optimize immunity. Like we talked about that data before that immunity was waning in children under five. It's depending on age. There's a little bit of difference in, in how things will go. 
So always talk to your doctor, I guess, is the ultimate rule of thumb. Check in with your doctor about what the timing, when you should get it, which you should get, and all the good stuff there. Yeah. Oh, and then the third piece was the flexibility for vulnerable populations. Yeah, this goes in line with what we talked about at the top of the episode. So this third part with the FDA authorizing a second bivalent booster for 65 plus and immunocompromised, the committee, you know, looked at that decision and we're talking about it and ultimately said that right now there isn't enough data to support a routine recommendation for both of these groups and just acknowledging that they have to be flexible with vaccine recommendations. So what this ultimately means is we don't really know the next step right now for for how often 65 plus and immunocompromised will need a COVID vaccine, but they will continue to look at the data and give recommendations on what feels right and what the data is showing. Excellent. Well, thank you, Zoe, for covering that for, for GHLF and learning all that you learned from the meeting. Yeah, same to you. It's good to talk about this. I haven't seen any big news. I saw news on the boosters, but the rest of these recommendations, it's like, I feel like we're not getting news specific to our community. So it feels really important for us to be breaking it down and talking about it because for sure, again, like a lot of science is talked about and it's hard to read the data sometimes. So just having time together to break it down is helpful. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, we'll continue to do that. All right, Stephen, that brings us to the close of our show. What did you learn today? You know, I learned a lot about what happened at the ACIP meeting from you and your great reporting, if you will, on the ground. And I think generally my takeaway is that we're in a good spot and I feel comfortable about where we're going in terms of the vaccines moving forward into the future as the public health emergency ends. Me too. I would agree with that. My takeaway was just that we have a lot of good data now and it seems like we're getting stronger in recommendations for how to move forward than just kind of letting, you know, COVID lead the way. It feels like we're really leading now. For sure. Well, we hope that you learned something too. And before we go, we definitely want to encourage everyone to check out all of our podcasts at ghlf.org backslash listen. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to The Health Advocates, a podcast that breaks down major health news of the week to help you make sense of it all. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube. I'm Zoe Rothblatt. I'm Stephen Newmark. We'll see you next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Yeah.